piercings, jewellery, work life, stories, personal experiences, what more do you want? Oh, the tea? Well, look no further. Welcome to Tea with Dee. I'm your host, Deanna. With 11 years of experience in the body piercing world, there are many stories I can tell. This podcast will go into the history of piercing, what happened, what historical events happened. There will also be submissions from clients about their own experiences and the history of them being pierced too. There will also be interviews with other piercers and other peers within the industry, it being jewellery specialists or jewellery makers. So why not sit back and listen to Tea with D? Hi everybody, welcome to Tea with D. Uh, you guys are very lucky this week. You have two episodes coming at you. Uh, they will be available as video formation, so you can watch these via YouTube. You can also audio listen to these via Spotify and Apple Podcasts and other platforms that it's on as well, which is awesome. Uh, this one is an interview with Elizabeth Moore who is a friend of mine in the piercing industry and I very much look up to. They work at Body Alter in Workshop UK. And I was pretty excited to have her on my podcast because she is a very passionate individual when it comes to the industry and what should be done with apprenticeships, traineeships. And we did dabble a little bit into neurodiversity, but I think there might be an episode in the future with her again where we can get into that a bit more. So I hope you enjoy this week's episode and I hope you enjoy the video version as well. Please give me feedback on how you think of it and how it is. I hope it's good. And yeah, let's get into this. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Tea with D. I am doing a interview today. Uh, can you please introduce yourself and what you do? Hello, I'm Elizabeth Moore. I'm a body piercer and I've do admin I don't know my role is <laughs> for industrial strength in UK awesome so let's talk about history how did you come about piercings like what was the interest like where did you first see it that kind of thing uh my space like I feel like everyone's everyone like in this generation is a BME baby but I am absolutely a MySpace baby like little scene queens with their snake bites and I was like <laughs> I want to be and then it became BME and then like it just became getting pierced fun story though so I used to travel a little bit uh watching bands that I like so I used to go to like every city uh and I used to go to Nottingham fairly often I didn't live in Nottingham and I used to get pierced in the studio in Nottingham by Paddy oh good old Paddy (laughs) (laughs) neither of us knew until like a couple of years ago and I was like hang on I feel like a guy with giant ears used to pierce me as a teenager and I'm pretty confident he was the first person I'd seen with like big, big stretched ears. And I was like, I want to do that. <laughs> that's that's the goal. Yeah. It's all Paddy's fault. <laughs> because like, he's not that much older than me. I was just a late bloomer. <laughs> <laughs> it seems like a, a common thing in the industry of like late bloomers. And there are earlier on bloomers like myself. I was a very early on just because I am quite young. And, like, my introduction was BME, like, in 2007. And then I became a receptionist at 14 and then licensed at 16. So it's, like, I was a very, like, wee baby. And then the others are, like, oh, I didn't really start until, like, 20, 30. It's like, yeah, I, was, I was 25, yeah. Yeah, it just seems like a, a common thing. And it, it's quite it's quite interesting to, like, hear it. Because yeah. there are others who did start as, like, 18, I think there's value in both. I think there's value in this being all you know. 
um, because obviously that is almost like the core of who you are. But then I also think there's value in people who've done corporate jobs as well. Mm. Uh, because seeing that from like the real world perspective, because this is not the real world. <laughs> like we kid ourselves all we want that this is a serious important job. It is the most fun. Um, so having some kind of corporate thing, I think was valuable for me. But then I also do envy like people like yourself or mm. some of the younger pieces that I'm like, oh, I wish I had that start. <laughs> <laughs> My start wasn't that great. <laughs> like honestly, it was it was a it was a tricky one because like even though I was licensed at 16, the training thing that I went into I had to pay for. So it wasn't like, oh, it's an apprenticeship. It was kind of like, oh, here's 250 pounds to do like a six to eight weeks of work for the first time. And then after then, I was like kept on for like a couple of more months. And then it was kind of like, oh, here you go. Off you go sort of thing. Um, and then my second apprenticeship was like a bit more better. But it was like, yeah, not not the greatest way to get into the industry. But I was like, oh, fuck it. It's something, you know, like I can't, cannot. Yeah, that attitude still is carrying on, isn't it? Like so yeah. many people stick at stuff because they're like, well, at least it's something. And mm-hmm. It's not, it's not okay. It's not like the baby pieces that are doing well now, like are the ones that have had good starts. Like mm-hmm. they're the ones that are thriving. The oh, rest gotcha. of the are like, oh, well, at least I was doing it. It's been really hard. Mm-hmm. It's like I look at like what the industry offers now, like Jordan at Forest Piercing. And then you had Seb, who was also an apprentice back in the day. He was quite lucky with how we got into the industry. Then he had Beth, who was at Rebel. Um, there's so many of them that have such a stronger way of getting into the industry, whereas a lot of people were kind of, like, stumped. Like, it was a very harder way to get into the industry. And there was so much, like, volunteer, volunteer, no payment, or you had to pay for it. And it's like, fuck, like, I wish I could be, like, in a weird way, in a weird sense, like, kind of be reborn and like do an apprenticeship as it is today like being paid a good wage to learn yeah unfortunately people are still taking advantage of that though like that old school like this is how we did it so this is how you should do it kind of thing and I think part of that is why I'm grateful that I didn't come into it till older and that confidence level that comes with being a 32 year old lady uh, <laughs> is Jenna <laughs> is like don't accept it and you just don't like I didn't start this till I was 25 I didn't learn to drive until I was 25 but both of those things came loads easier because I had the confidence of an adult Mm -hmm. and like people are taking advantage of teenagers because they know that they can yeah boils my piss (laughs) (laughs) I think a lot of people know that it does just because the way that you're so like expressive about it and it's nice to know that you know you are seen as a person to look up to in the industry like I've spoken to multiple people who have said the same thing even myself like I look at your work and I'm like fuck I wish I was that fucking good you know and I think now because there's somebody who does have a voice who is saying what they should be like I think people are finally listening but then there's like some people who are like well you know it's easier just to get somebody in who can do the free work and it's like no free labor isn't a thing anymore no, my goal with like talking about it was never to make shop owners or like existing pacers change their attitude because it felt like a losing battle. Like the pushback was so hard. Mm-hmm. What I want is the people who are coming into this to come into it with the knowledge of what they deserve and what they should expect um, so that they can go, actually, no, 
So the more people that go, no, that's not acceptable. Mm-hmm. That's where change happens. Me yelling at someone who's been piercing for 25 years really isn't going to make a difference because who am I? Like, <laughs> who am I? Like, I mean, it's seven years next week. Like, they're not listening to me. Uh, but somebody who hasn't been doing it all might. Mm, yeah, exactly. And it is slowly, like, getting there. Like, you know, they're, they're, like myself, for example, I had Lauren, who now works at Maria Tash. She's doing very well for herself. Bumped into her earlier in the week just to see how she was. And she's doing great. Um and it's just like I look back and I'm like you know that mentality of doing it voluntarily I kind of stuck with that because that's what I grew up around from the age of 14 to have that mentality that to get into this industry it has to be voluntarily you can't pay somebody blah 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 blah. so when I took Lauren on I said to her you need another job just because this is taking up your time and voluntarily and then when she started piercing I was like oh you can keep that money like there's no point of giving it back to me because you've been doing a lot of work for free keep that money of course it, I look back now and I'm like I wish I understood it a bit better but at the time I was like I'm self-employed like I can't put somebody on I can't like employ somebody blah 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 but at the same time it's kind of shit in Lauren's position because I wasn't paying her for a time for the most part but we learn our mistakes we all have to grow and like it's it's a bit like generational trauma like if you're not the one that breaks it then it's, it is just going to carry on but like mm. you do the things that you learned from the people who came before you oh god yeah that oh, might god. have been fine at some point but it's not now mm. like, you, no i'm not having a piercer who's slinging like 500 pound bvla pieces in <sighs> tell me they can't pay their apprentice do you know what i mean like, <laughs> yeah no it's it's a very like tricky situation because of course like there's there's so much work going on behind the scenes with certain people trying to get the Westminster to listen to them to get in these new regulations with what Wales has got and so forth and then there's a that always that argument of like should we regulate the system and it's like no (laughs) like if you regulate our system this is what the people don't understand is like yeah we could probably get like a government issued like apprenticeship in line but the thing is is that that means that this the the whole like piercing system has to be regulated and if that happens a lot of piercings will be stopped like it it, is like oh but what about insurance it don't matter like if the government get involved by by dermals, by by navels, by by bridge piercings, by by cheeks, just because of the high migration rejection issues. Understanding, but from a government perspective as well, if the government get involved in our training, um, it will mean anybody that's qualified to teach could teach it. Um, you don't have you can have a teaching certificate in anything and teach anything like mm-hmm. it's a, a general across the board kind of thing. So I suspect what that would mean, and I think this is coming anyway, um, but what I suspect that will mean is that it will be bumped into hairdressing courses because they'll see the already piercing loaves with guns on hairdressing courses and go, well, that's piercing, so we'll just, we'll just bundle that together. Easy. <laughs> Make that whole qualification. Tutors. Yeah, we've already got the tutors doing that way, so we don't need to hire anyone new. Yeah. We'll just make them do more work because that's the government we have and that's what they do. So that's what we're barreling towards, which again is why I'm really passionate about us getting it right now. If we want this to stay with us, we have to do it right. Mm-hmm. 
because we're on the radar, I say this to people all the time, the moment a tattooist was featured on an accountant's advert on national television during prime time, we are on their radar. Yep. It's coming. We're an industry that has got away with whatever it's wanted for a really long time. Mm-hmm. It's just not going to continue because there's no money in letting us do that. Yeah, and it, it doesn't help with, like, you know, the most recent... Uh, event that happened in the piercing industry like not that long ago uh, an individual got arrested and sent to jail and you know he was a well-known piercer so it's like hello we we're definitely on the radar now and during covid a lot of mps were talking about piercing and what should be done and what should be expected to be regulated and stuff like that and there's bills that have been spoken about as well so it's like they know what it's about they know what's going on like you know just do what you do (laughs) yeah Uh, and it's why we need to be all talking sense and not saying the same stuff like I'm not saying everyone has to have the same opinion on anything but a a, kind of united front is important Mm -hmm. Uh, whether you're in the UKPP or the APP or not something with some clarity is important Mm -hmm. like because if we start to look like we're infighting, no one's taking us seriously. Oh, oh God, yeah. Uh, the thing is, is that I think more people listen to those with either genetically a big platform, as it is with social media, or with a certificate on a wall. Mm-hmm. If you're somebody who doesn't really have a social media presence and doesn't have a certificate on the wall, are you? is your voice going to get heard? No. But if you keep posting your opinions and getting the word out, then maybe you will be listened to. And I always say that to people, like, it don't matter if you've got a hundred, thousands, millions of followers, whatever. If you want to get your voice heard, just keep posting about it. Don't ever stop posting about it. Even if people are like, oh, I'm unfollowing you because you post too much. And just let them be. Yeah, just goodbye. Don't need you. You're not welcome in my presence. Um, Just keep posting about it. Like... I'm constantly posting shit on my Instagram and I know people unfollow me because I post it. But at the end of the day, if I want my voice to be heard, I will clutter my social medias because it seems to be the only way that I can get my voice heard. You can write a letter to your MP, but are you going to get a reply? Fuck no. <laughs> Not with the local elections anyway. No. Well, it depends who your MP is. Oh, yeah. Well, Newbury's very conservative, so that ain't going to fucking happen. <laughs> We have an independent, but I'm not really sure where they stand, where I live, and it uh, works out where the shop is, is, is touring, so. Yeah, well, maybe get Paddy to do something. He's got a voice. <laughs> All right, anyways. Um, was there always an interest with piercing, like, growing up, like, during school or colleges? Like, were you always, like, interested in it? I think so. Like, I was pierced probably more than I should have been at school. Uh, and like doing stuff with her. I, let me tell you, I was absolutely terrified of needles. Yeah. Yeah, like absolutely terrified to the point I once went for my navel pierce because my mum was like, You have a navel pierce? I'm like, No one will see it. It's fine. You can have a nose <laughs> pierce. Because uh, the school I went to and like the culture I grew up around, it was totally like fine for you to have a nose pierce in school. So I appreciate that. I was kind of lucky for that. And the guy did my navel and I about decked it. Uh, it was like maybe you go somewhere that does you knows with a gun like that was his suggestion <laughs> oh he was my like, no, god let's not get a needle out around you <laughs> like it was bad times uh but I was still like putting myself through it in a big way yeah because I, I I needed to get past it and I didn't get past it for a long time like but I was interested for sure I couldn't really watch a lot of like videos 
Mm. Which is always fine. Yeah. And I pretended for a long time that I wasn't scared of needles because I was like, I'm cool and I'm pierced. Like, I'm not scared of anything. <laughs> I think a lot of piercers like that or still like that in a weird way. Like, if I get a blood test, I say, I need to beat a block or two <laughs> just yeah. so I can get through it. Yeah. Don't like it. No, uh, no, I, I've honestly, it, very similar with me like when I was like 13 I faked my mum's signature to get my double lip pierced and I was absolutely petrified of needles and blood so it the person who used to pierce me they knew me as a regular so they're like block out like a whole hour just so that I could do it <laughs> and I'll be there like sat there 40 minutes like I could do this I could do this I could do it I could definitely do it I'm pretty sure I could do it and then I'll get it done I'm like oh it's not that bad <laughs> Yeah, I used to sneak out of college and like, I didn't sneak out, I just leave. Uh, and the guy literally never asked for ID, like never asked for anything. <laughs> uh, but I was like, well, this is fine. Like, this must be fine. because And then like, I spend most of that hour then like laid on the floor with my feet on his chair, <laughs> which I'm pretty confident was just like a wheelie desk chair. <laughs> nearly, nearly certainly remember that. And I think that shop's still there. <laughs> Oh no. Yeah, that was kind of the same as me. Like me and my friends used to um would know when it'd be like 15 pound piercing or whatever. And at the time it was cutthroat tattoo and I was quite a regular there. And at the time it was Jazz, who now works at Sacred Gold in London. Um, she was my mentor back in the day, bless her. And uh we went there and my friend wanted the UFO piercing, where it went from like the forward helix through the rook and then back around through the forward helix and I video recorded it found it on my old YouTube I'm like oh my god that's so cringe uh and I had my septum done for like the first time and I was wearing like this big thick jacket and Jazz in the video was like you sure you don't want to take that off and I was like yeah I don't want to take it off I'll I'll be fine I didn't pass out luckily (laughs) I was very close like this close to um (laughs) But I, I did went white as a sheet and I almost did. But then I came back around and I was all right. But it's just like, oh, my God. Like, what I used to do at college was just fucking mad. I can't um, do it now. Not a chance. It takes me, like, six months to commit to a new piercing. Like, I think maybe I want my forward helix doing it. And it's forward helix. Like, it's fine. And I'm like, oh, maybe I'll wait until, like, Buddha release a piece of jewellery that I'm interested. Like, I'm very <laughs> about what happens. I'll have it done in, like, a year and I'll be fine. Yeah, no, I was the same with my cheeks. Um, I had them done by Jazz when she was an apprentice. And this was when I was like, oh God, 16, 17. And then I had them redone a few years later and then had them redone again. And then I waited like six years <laughs> until I got them pissed again. And then I decided that it'd be a great idea to get it done at trade show. And I was like, hey, Ollie, uh, any chance you could do my cheeks? He was like, oh, because it's you. Yeah, right, I'll do them. And I remember I was like, sat there and I was like, yeah, it'd be fine. Most of the people going home, it's all good. Led down, looked up, yeah, 20 pierces, just staring at me, getting my cheeks done. I was like, right, okay, I'm not going to shit myself. I'll be fine. I shut myself, like, so bad. I had a piercing done at the Dublin trade show, like, Ollie, bless him. Mm. Uh, and then did everything, that obviously, they wouldn't tell a client to do, just got a plane home, like, <laughs> 12 hours later. Yeah, people don't do that. <laughs> It's not advice. Don't don't travel with a fresh piercing. Definitely flying. <laughs> On the way there, an irritation from the back of my lobe exploded, and the woman next to me went. Ugh. I was like, 
Sorry. Oh dear. Uh right, let me think. Where are we? So here's a question that I love asking. How did you get into the industry? Like what happened? How did it happen? When it happened, where it happened? Um, so I didn't know it was someone's job. I'd never met a piercer that wasn't a tattooist as well. Or to my knowledge, turns out I had met Paddy, but at the time I'd never made that connection. I just thought <laughs> yeah. all piercers were tattooists and that's how that worked. Um, so I was being pierced by like, someone quite local and I was in a big mental health crisis. So I wasn't really leaving the house. That was the only time I was leaving was when I was like, I'm going to get a piercer and get a tattoo. And the lady there was only a piercer. I was like, shit, I can do that. And that shop where I advertised in a job, I didn't get it because I had obviously zero experience and fainted every time somebody showed me a needle. But I was like, I'm going to get over that and I'm going to be a piercer. I'm going to do it. Uh, this is going to be a thing that gets me out of the house. So a woman who my mum worked with, this is very convoluted, so my mum's colleague's son was dating a tattooist who was looking for a piercer and was happy to train someone. So I went there and I was paired in lunches. Nice. Yeah. That's a good deal. Yeah. It took me three buses to get there. Oh, shit. I was travelling like two and a half hours a day. Uh, it wasn't even that far away, but on public transport, like, it was. Hmm. Uh, not doing a lot of piercings. It was not the best experience from a personality standpoint, like we weren't well suited to each other, and mm, like yeah, like that. Um, I then found a job in a different shop, who again were willing to sort of take me on on the grounds that I didn't really have a lot of experience. I'd done some piercings by this point, but nothing that would have warranted me being taken on as a piercer, like a free pass. Yeah, so they were <laughs> like, okay, let's start again. Let's break some what could be bad habits. We don't know. Let's. Mm-hmm. See, uh, so I went to that shop. I worked there for five years. Um, obviously grew as a piercer. Then um, I'm not going to talk massively about that shop. We're going to uh, scoot over Com- that. Completely one. understand. Don't worry. Had uh, another major mental health crisis. Okay, love them. They're like every five years. <laughs> <laughs> Waiting for the next one though. <laughs> yeah. Made some pretty serious attempts on my own life. Uh, so I was quitting, retired, mm-hmm. decided I was never piercing again uh, because I hated it. I hated you all. You were all awful. Uh, the industry was ruining me. It wasn't. It wasn't a nice industry back then anyway. Like, I can even agree with you that back then there was more hatred than there was of acceptance and love. Yeah. I, I've learned a lot from a lot of people at that point. Mm-hmm. Uh, I felt like kind of stalled as well. Like I didn't think it could go any further. Um, I am guilty of holding the people in like social media and the piercing groups in such high regard that I was like, these people are never going to notice me. So what's the point? And now I'm like, it doesn't matter if they don't know this, it's fine. I was like, I'm never going to be one of them. Like, <laughs> they don't want to talk to anyone. Anyway, I'd, so yeah, I'd quit. But then I logged onto social media for the first time in like five months and had a message from Paddy saying, we had a shared client and he was like, just to let you know, I've seen her. This is what I've done. Cause we'd done that a couple of times. Like, mm-hmm. you know, so you've transferred that information because so the shops went far away from each other. Yeah. And I was like, doesn't matter. I don't do this anymore. And he was like, if you change your mind, come up and see us. So I did. And uh, he was like, you know, I'm looking for a piercing. And I was like, mm, really? I'm interested. Tell me more. I did a trial day and it's been two years. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, 
I like Pearson again. Hooray. Yay. It's, it's good to see you back. Like, I remember when you left because you posted on Instagram saying, like, you know, I'm not going to be a part of the industry anymore. And I was like, oh, no, not another one. Like, at that time, there were so many people that were, like, leaving due to, like, different things. I was like, oh, fuck's sake, here we go. Like, all the pieces are just going to drop like flies. No one's ever going to come back to the industry. And then when you announced that you were going to go and work with Paddy, I was like, yes, fuck yes. Like, I was like, yes, she's back. She's got to kill it. And then you released, like, the whole, like, Mattel Barbie, like, kind of theme with your work. And I was like, okay, yeah, I love this even more. Like, this is amazing. And, yeah, it's just been great to see you grow, like, from my, like, standpoint. Like, it, it's it's just mad like seeing how people can grow in the industry and how much they can suck it all in and basically improve their work in such a short amount of time as well it's mad like I've been doing this for 11 years and sometimes I think oh early retirement 30 yeah maybe um but like it it took me a long time yeah. to process like how I can improve my work and yeah, it's just mad it's mad I think we're all a product of the people around us and I think we're lucky as an industry to have the community that we do have like mm-hmm. it's it's not it's not there for everyone and but also I appreciate that there's some downfalls to how close-knit it can be mm-hmm. but if you're not learning from the people around you who else are you going to get any of this from and I think Again, we're so lucky to have this because I've said this to you before, we've had this conversation before, but yes. other professionals in any industry don't owe you anything. Mm-hmm. Um, the fact that people are willing to give that information like they are and the groups that we have and the people who are pushing for different things constantly, um, whether they charge for that information or whether they give it away for free, they're still it's still work that they don't have to do. So we're really lucky that we have that. And I think I am a product of the pieces who I've, looked up to and learned from mm-hmm. always and like I'll always be grateful for those people like I have my little list in my heart I know who they are <laughs> yeah I'm I'm exactly the same like even like the newbies I just like I call them newbies because they've been doing it for like four or five years but it's like even them like I put them on my list like in suppose like in capital letters just because the work that they put out and the piercings they put out I'm just like what the fuck like when I was like doing it that, that long ago I was fucking shit <laughs> yeah, like if you look at Phoebe, who's just gone to Ollie's shop, and yeah. uh, Ellie, mm-hmm. with Dan like, what the hell? Like, how? I know. Precious angels. They're just like, yeah, we're just killing it. Don't worry about it. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's just, it's mad. Like, you know, all the all the ones that are like what classifies babies. Like, should really call it that. I should call it like junior piss or something like that. But they'll always be our babies in our eyes. Like, definitely, if we've been in the industry for like quite a while. And it's just mad seeing them how much like progressing like Sid, like at Sacred Gold, like oh my god, the work that he's been putting out lately, like the lobes, the helixes. I'm like, fuck me, when I was apprentice, all of my shit was crooked, and it was bulky fucking shit that was like steel externally threaded with like those chunky ass backings, like, and it's just like, whoa, all these apprentices now are so fucking lucky, so lucky. I think, yeah, I think they're lucky that they've had the opportunities that they've had, but they're also, like, working really hard. Oh, God, yeah. I'm really close friends with Gemma, who works at Rogue, and Mm -hmm. I talk about Rogue a lot when I talk about apprenticeships, uh, because Jay there is doing a phenomenal job. Oh, God, yes. How she works. Like, like the support she's got and the training she's got and the people she's got around her, 
phenomenal but she wouldn't be achieving that without the work that she's putting in herself oh god yeah the and the confidence and the, conf the confidence just blossoms anyone under 25 that's doing this stuff the confident i am so envious they're confident Mm -hmm. like I, I was a cocky shit like when I came into the industry I was like yeah I could do all this it's fucking easy I yeah. look back and I'm like you're an idiot like you couldn't do that you fucking yeah. pleb like stop it <laughs> yeah, confidence and arrogance it. yeah I was just a cocky shit like my first ever like piercing as a licensed piercer was a tongue weapon who the fuck thinks that they could do that straight off the back with no other like practice beforehand me did I, I succeed yes I jammed the needle <laughs> like oh no <laughs> and it was like my dad's eyebrow like oh. and he still complains it's been out for years it was seven years ago he still complains about how much it is. <laughs> uh, no it, it is like it's so mad seeing how like the industry has developed like even in the last like since fucking covid like we've got fucking is uk and after metal uk and then we've got neo metal like eu it's just like what else do we need Anymore? Please, BVLA, please, I beg of you. I know that you're British owned, but like, come on. BVLA I know, man, that was a surprise and a half when I saw that announcement. Like, David had been like, not spilling the beans, but kind of like giving some clues, and everyone was like, oh my God, bitter, oh my God, blah, 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 blah. And then when he said BVLA, I was just like, finally, like, they've been doing the APB for quite a while. I know they stopped a few years ago. Um, but it's like they announced that the turnaround times had gone down. And I was like, oh, okay. And then a couple of weeks later, David was like, they're going to be at the UKPP. I'm just like, oh, fuck's sake. <laughs> like, I can't spend any more money than I have already. Just like, like, slip this in there. It's not advertising, but I'm going to do it. While we're talking about BVLA and like custom jewelry and stuff, this is who might be listening that feel like BVLA is like out of reach. Like, first of all, they're not the be-all and end-all of body jewellery. Like, we have mm -hmm. incredible access to jewellery in a way that we've never had before. Like, Buddha, for example. Mm -hmm. Stunning. Fast turnarounds. Incredible. Um, I just never, ever want people to forget Danila. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I've, I actually spoke to her via email the other day because I'm currently in the works. Because one of my clients, Louise, she's probably going to be listening to this. Uh, we did a custom septum ring that is named after her. We got two new nostril pieces, an industrial bar, and a faux rug. And now we're in talks about maybe possibly some other pieces in the future. So, of course, I messaged her like, hey, can you get hold of these stones? And I completely forgot that she was away. <laughs> two conferences she was like i'm really sorry and i was like no it's my fault i didn't check social media but yeah she's a phenomenal goldsmith like oh my god what an incredible resource we have in the uk for something that we know that is ethically sourced mm -hmm. um, she can work with within reason but to exact specifications like she's phenomenal oh god, um, yeah. i just want to shout her out because i love her mm -hmm. oh and hazel who's up in edinburgh yes. Where did Hazel come from? Out of nowhere, absolutely destroyed everyone. Like, I know, my God, like, I remember when she first started. What the hell? I know, they're all popping out of everywhere. Like, the one that we do miss the most is Ryan, who used to be Nature Reborn UK. Uh, he was phenomenal, he used to do gold seam rings and uh, some sometimes attachments. Um, we, we loved him for his hammered stuff. And, of course, he has stopped doing jewellery, but I always sometimes, like, remember him, like, oh, my God, like, he was so cool. Well, if we're shouting out independent creators, I feel like someone's going to be very upset, Stephen. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, the Irish one. Forgot about him. 
Stephen makes incredible goblins. If anyone is also interested in those, there you go. Yeah, he uh, made me a hammered seam ring for my nose. He's a brilliant human being. When I was in my darkest time and I'd quit piercing, he is the only person who reached out. The only person. He's such a good egg. Like family, friends at the side, industry colleagues, everyone. It was only Stephen. Mm-hmm. He's, he's honestly, he's a very good egg. Like I came off Facebook recently due to some issues. I'm not going to get into that. Um, but he reached <laughs> out like pretty much most weeks, like, hey, you okay? How you doing? And like he'd be like, hey, I've made this in my studio. What do you think? I want your opinion. And it's just like, wow, more jewellery makers need to be like that. Like, hey, we've put out this piece. Can we get an opinion on it? Like, why can't more of them be like that? I don't know. Um, well, I suppose that's what a lot of pro teams are for. Um, hell yeah. Still a pro team member here at your service. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> Another company that recently has shocked me is Ember Body Jewellery by Ryan. I recently got the order yesterday. Of course, it arrived after I just left. I was like, you bastard. Um, went in today, took some pictures, and I'm actually really, really impressed with the pieces and the quick turnaround as well. Like I put in the order and it came in less than four days. Very impressed. We do. We no longer have an issue with accessibility. Mm. I know that there was the great jewellery shortage. <laughs> Leroy with the bumblebees, 35 weeks. <laughs> Now everyone makes a bumblebee, it's fine. Yeah. It, it's gone. Um, Just from a, like a, a jewellery vendor kind of perspective, if your jewellery is taking a long time to arrive, it's because you're not ordering it right now. Mm-hmm. It It's not. Um, It's not taking that long. No, no. Unless you're a very, like, complicated queen and BVLA are like, really? Like, come on. <laughs> BVLA apparently can do whatever they want. BVLA have got a 12-month turnaround time. Everyone goes, yes, of course, whatever you whatever. <laughs> Bow down to you. Industrial strength goes over 10 days. There's like a picket line. Like, what is going on? People complaining in forums about their wait times. But I often think, like, are you leaving it till you've got one left? Because if you are, that that's kind of on you. <laughs> yeah, figure out, like, the main thing that I did figure out, thanks to David, was figuring out when, like, your most busy period is and, like, order prior. Not order during. During, no. Like, I know that I do loads of kids loves like that is my thing i i like the first kids send them all to me it's my favorite thing uh but the first two weeks of the summer holidays is back to back it's kids loves all the time Mm -hmm. spend the winter going right we need low profiles we need opal cabs and like is there something fun we can do that's not gem set like what what can we do and let's get it so that we have hundreds Mm -hmm. But jewelry does not expire. It can sit there. It's fine. But I know that I need that for July. Whereas I maybe don't need as many circular barbells because I'm not going to be doing that many septums. Oh my God, the circular barbell drought. That was... <laughs> Have you considered just using a clicker instead? Like an IS clicker? <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, I do use them. But, you know, some people are just like, I really like the horseshoe. I remember when that happened and I couldn't get hold of any for, like, ages. So I was, like, shifting uh, Stephen's captive rings. And then loads of people fell in love with them. And now I can't shift the circular barbells. Like, I've got so many of them. <laughs> just like, what the hell? Sorry, won't mind me sharing this, but an interesting take that I got from Nathan, a Utopia once was, he doesn't pay septums with circular barbells. Because the only people who want the circular barbells are the ones who want to flip it up and hide it. Mm-hmm. And he thinks if you want to flip it up and hide it, it's not piercing it. <laughs> I love that. 
I remember um, I, I had this like influx of just like teenagers who wanted their septum done and they wanted like a retainer type of thing. So I was like, Stephen, mate, can, can you make me like a hundred retainers on the other side of the industry? If you didn't become a piercer, what do you think you would be doing right now as a career? Oh God, I, I worked in a bank. Yeah, I remember you saying about that. And then I worked in a broadband customer service for a while. Uh, I didn't enjoy either of those things and I definitely wouldn't do that now. But I think I very easily fall into things. So I'd potentially just carry on thinking that that was what I did. If as a child I wanted to be a librarian, you could uh, do that. I could do that. You have to have a degree, which I didn't know. Uh, or when I retire, I want to own a little secondhand bookshop with a cafe. Oh, that'd be cute. Yeah, it's like at the seaside. Yeah, with a plant section as well. Yeah, that'd be nice. Also, I find it very hard to part with books, so that might be difficult. <laughs> Someone comes in and I want that book. No, <laughs> it's not happening. Goodbye. <laughs> It still was bought me like a little stamp that I could put yeah. in like library of Elizabeth. So that she was like, if you lend it to someone, like they know it's yours. And I was like, I don't lend books. <laughs> you know. <laughs> you know. I think I'd also be a terrible librarian, but Yeah, you could you could work on it. I you know, you used to be scared of needles, but you oh, worked on it. <laughs> um is there an event? within the piercing industry that you very much still like look on to research on or look up just to read about it again and again and again? Um, no, I don't think so. You'd think I'd be more of a history nerd than I am. Yeah, just because of the amount of books that you read <laughs> and how much you love the Tudors. Like, come on. If this <laughs> had a stretch love, I'd be all over it. <laughs> no I don't think there is I spent. A l- I once fell down a rabbit hole of the Prince Albert thing yeah I think we've all been there as persons yeah like desperate to work out I'm, I'm pretty confident in the theory that it was a Prince Albert not the one that we think it was mm-hmm. uh, but that's kind of the only one that's ever got me like gripped like I'm interested but I'm very much once I've, I've learned about it I kind of put it to bed a little bit I don't go back to anything oh that's okay so UKPP last year, mm-hmm. I wasn't in the class, but Ryan, who comes to the IS booth with us, uh, was. Paul King talked about the first registered piercer in the UK being a first female registered piercer in the UK being based in Worksop. Yeah. Everybody else is. And we can't find any more information out than that. So annoying. <laughs> That's, we, we don't have a name, we don't have a shop, nothing. Yeah. It's, it's kind of like the same situation that I'm currently in, like trying to like find out the piercing archive of the UK. Like there is no, nothing, like no footprints, as I call it. There's nothing to type up in Google to find certain information about it. And once it's like said, it's like, and like, tell me more. Is there anything else? I think from a historical standpoint, ever. So my Tudor fascination comes in here. So anything that was underground is always going to be harder to find. So mm-hmm. I'll like something I know lots about. So Anne Boleyn, for example, mm-hmm. the history is shaky because it will have been hidden because of the crime she was accused of as she died. We know more and more and more, but it was erased. So from the piercing scene when it was underground, people weren't writing things down because they couldn't. 
So anything you get is already going to be shaky as to whether or not to take it as a fact. We know that from Jim and Doug anyway, that mm-hmm. let's not take any of our history as fact. Yeah. Anything you think you know, unless someone was there, unless you're hearing it from Paul, for example, or someone who's just been around it a long time, it's really unlikely that it was true. Mm-hmm. This is why we have to make history now. Yeah. Now we can write things down and care about things and document things and make podcasts and Instagram accounts and it's now. And not get so stressed about it. <laughs> yeah, because it could all be bullshit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely with me anyway. I'm just going to delete everything because it's bullshit. Yeah, you're done. No. <laughs> I'm going to be my early retirement. <laughs> so... through the critical mind always, no matter oh, what it is. I think we're all like it though. I think it just stems from that, um, well, when you did that poll in the group about neurodiversity, I was just like, oh my God, how many people? Like, I'm currently in the process of being diagnosed with ADHD. Because it didn't really click with me until one of my clients, who is one of the people that basically diagnosed people, uh, was like, hey, uh, the way that you set up, yeah, there, there's, there's a few traits of it. I was like, traits of what? She was like, ADHD. And I was like, oh no <laughs> like it all just started sinking in and I was like ah oh, yes the uh disorganized mess but it's organized it's just like it all makes sense now and then when you did that part I was just like ah oh, yeah that makes sense and then I started reading into it and they say that a lot of people with neurodiversity do critique themselves quite a lot and it's like whoa us piercers we do that a lot syndrome is a, is a big thing Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, definitely. So, is there someone who is like an inspiration to you, like who you've really looked up to in the industry? Oh, I have a list. Uh, Give us the right. gloss. Okay, so it's Paddy, obviously. Oh, obviously, yeah. like, can't started, leave him out. Yeah, when I started piercing, like body alter, and Paddy was like the goal. Like I knew because I was lucky enough to be in the area that a reasonable dream for me would be to work there. But had there been somewhere else, it would been like to work somewhere like that. Uh, he doesn't like this sort of thing either. He's always like, no, no, I'm not. Uh, <laughs> the industry wouldn't look the way that it does now without him. And I will mm-hmm. argue with anyone that thinks that that's not true. Um, we wouldn't have the access to the jewelry that we have now if it wasn't for Industrial Strength UK. If Paddy mm-hmm. didn't take that step, make that leap, take that chance, none of us would be sat doing what we do now. From also from a technique based thing, like I've learned so much from him. Like I'd stopped doing septums until he was like, "Why don't you just do it like this?" And I was like, "Oh yeah, no, I like him again." Um, I don't know. I'm not a huge fan of like the popularity contests, but also there are a lot of people I do look up to. Um, Jabber and Chanel really helped me a lot when I first started talking about the apprenticeship thing, mm-hmm. uh, and I'll be grateful for that for a long time. The setup they have is beautiful. Oh god, and- yeah they've consistently been there and been supportive mm-hmm. I like I talk about them as a collective as well like I do as well all the time and it's going to be a it's going to be a controversial hot take for everyone um anyone who I've ever interacted with in Pierce Babes I fucking love that Facebook group and um, both iterations of it now um but again, I've received massive amounts of support and growth and I wouldn't have been able to self-critique in the way that I do now. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been happily plodding along, thinking that everything was fine if I wasn't called out 
for the shitty stuff. Mm-hmm. And that probably applies to the UK piercing professionals group as well. Like when it first started, if, oh my god. Yeah, if people weren't saying, No, this is bad, I would have been like, everything's fine. Um and hearing like negatives has actually been really good for me because mm-hmm. I'm I'm a human of needing reassurance all the time. You're uh, doing a great job. Yay! <laughs> uh Lynn Lohide obvious for a list of obvious reasons again i think what a phenomenal human they took a big leap in doing the things that they do and helped Mm -hmm. so many people um myself because uh of course you gotta be your own inspiration in some way or another fight again battle against my own brain and still be sat here yeah yeah there's loads of people and i'm really grateful to have the people in the industry around me that I do uh, and know that I can feel supportive and have friends and mm-hmm. you know I didn't have friends at school I didn't really have friends in any of my other jobs like people that I maybe thought to but that never went any further than that but to have this little supportive network of people mm-hmm. and to be part of that and I never feel stupid asking a question uh, I feel like I can provide information without anyone being like she's wrong yeah, uh, it was a position I didn't think I'd be in like mm-hmm. five six years ago. So I'm I'm grateful to everyone really. Pretty much same boat. Like I'm always grateful for everybody that I speak to and who has the time, basically, to let me just <laughs> everything at them. One more, Nathan Haig. Nathan Haig. The Pierce Trade Show is very very dear to my heart. And again, Nathan took chances on me that I didn't think anybody would. Mm-hmm. Um, I've spoken to every piece of trade show so far. I'm not in London though, which I'm sad about, but it's fine. That's the only one I can attend. I'm not speaking. <laughs> well, I'll be speaking loudly everywhere, <laughs> but I'm not, like doing a speak. But Nathan took a chance on someone who I thought at the time was like unheard of. Mm-hmm. Uh, he I pierced with him at the last uh, t- London tattoo show. Like, uh, yeah, lots of people have taken chances on me, and I'm really grateful to it. And on that run as well, Louise from the Sharp End is my favourite human being on the planet. She is so sweet. What an incredible human being. I would stop going to events, I think, if I didn't know Louise was there now. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't had the opportunity of meeting her yet, but from social media, the presence that she has on the Sharps magazine Instagram, she just seems like a very sweet individual that you could have an easy conversation with. And Ollie's exactly the same. Like completely yeah. the same super wonderful people and doing well the sharp end and cognition is something that the industry's needed oh god yeah. for a long time and I'm, I'm very pleased that it's the two of them that are behind it i think they give it some longevity they give it some gravitas uh and yeah i love them both uh but again i'm very grateful that louise has taken the chances on me that she has oh god yeah so who would be your dream boss or co-worker? And you're not going to say Paddy because you've already said Paddy. And you're not going to say Jabba either because we already know that Jabba would be the ultimate greatest boss ever. I've made it. I'm fine. <laughs> no one. I, I don't know. I'd, I'd maybe like to work with something. I don't think I'd want to move from Buddy All Now. I think it would be. It would take a very, very like big, big change to want me to go anywhere else now. Um, there's some shops I'd love to like guest at. Does that count? 
Yeah, go on then. Why not? Like, I'd like to work at Icon maybe for a little bit. I feel yeah. like I really like their setup. Uh, Club Tattoo, obviously. <laughs> uh, I'd like to go to Canada maybe. I really love to meet Courtney Rose. Yeah. Uh, so there's people I'd like to work with maybe for a little while, but I don't think I think if I was to ever move on, I think I could only work for myself now. Yeah. I don't want to do that. No. I'm not very good being self-employed. No. And I think you'll miss Wendy too much as well. I really like the family we've got at the shop. Yeah, um, it's, it's very sweet. Yeah. I don't I don't see that there'd be anything to change that really. Mm-hmm. Right. So when it comes to jewellery, which manufacturer do you like? And is there a certain piece you love? Am I allowed to say industrial strength? <laughs> Go on. Okay. Of industrial strength and um, the double row princess cut clickers with the white opal. Mm-hmm. Uh, I also really, really love the Edens. And our Eden did a little little collection. She designed some colorways that are all pinks and whites. Yes. Lovely Morganites. And they're all very, very much my ones uh from a gold perspective it's probably buddha mm-hmm. i wear a lot of buddha's jewelry yeah <laughs> I, do, I do love them and uh, if i have to be controversial because i have to be controversial at all times um i still really love auris if you could create a piece of jewelry what metal and stones would you pick oh yellow gold and white opals always always and what would you call it oh god I don't know. <laughs> I was like, no one makes a piece of jewelry called Elizabeth, but that's not true. Mm. Only oh, one wait, of... no. Oris. Oris do. Yeah. Only <laughs> I was like thinking then, I was like, I don't even know Oris does, because I had it's that. Wrong, it's yeah. that perfect with it. Yeah, a little bit. Um, oh, God, I don't know. Can I name a piece of jewelry Fred, just because it's a dog's name? Well, I don't think anybody else has called it. not a good name for a piece of jewelry at all, but I'm going to do it. <laughs> <laughs> that's cool to do that <laughs> as all pierces and peers critique themselves what do you think or feel you need to improve on it doesn't have to be like piercing related because some people do critique their own like mental health and physical health and stuff like that so whatever you think uh consistency i think across loads of things so um uh technique wise i think pretty solid most of the time but sometimes it's easy to fall into that oh, i'm all right i can do this mm-hmm. and like not give it that kind of consistent same level for everyone that but that also applies with like social media for example sometimes i'm like yeah on it i'm gonna post every day and i'm gonna take really good pictures and then i'm not gonna post for six weeks yeah <laughs> it's like is elizabeth alive does anybody know i just come back like bang hello <laughs> Yeah, even like moderating the Facebook group, I do that now, but uh, sometimes I'm on it, like all over it, and then I'll just disappear for a while. Uh, thankfully, everyone else is really good, and uh, get, nothing much gets past anyone. But yeah, I'm just not very consistent, but that'll be the ADHD. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I would like to work on it, and I, even in my personal life, I'm, it's something I'm actively trying to do. Mm-hmm. I feel that. So in 10, 20 years' time, what's the plan? What do you see yourself doing? Um, Fred. <laughs> Fred, mate. You can't be the centre of attention all the time. I'm a piercer. 
Bradford would like to pierce all the teeth. Um, I don't know, and I quite like not knowing. Um, I don't want to think about ten years time because it'll make me forty two, uh, and I'm not ready for that. <laughs> I'll be thirty seven. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm. I'm quite enjoying seeing where life sort of goes. Um, I'd still like to be doing this I think I can't foresee that I'd do anything else I don't think any other industry would have me mm. very employable um, I would like to have finished my uh, two year anatomy course that would be ideal <laughs> I've been doing for a year and a half already struggles are real I just keep losing focus yeah it's like doing your own pace so I am doing and my own pace is zero that's currently me with my uh, open university with uh, law and politics. It's like a five to ten year course. And I'm like, yeah, that's cool. <laughs> I just do like one thing a week. In year nine, that's, yeah. So one thing that I do want to ask, just because I love asking this, is what is it like working with Paddy, like in the ISUK and Stiletto world? Like, what is it like? Um, What, like, what is he like as a person or was the what just everything in general like it's it's really nice uh it's kind of low energy low drama like we all just get on like as in with what we're doing yeah it's nice for me to work in an environment where i know what's expected uh where um, i can kind of predict how a day is going to go within reason so there's some variation to keep it not boring but also i know like, if I come in first, I'll start doing this, and then this, and then this. And I like that. Um, I like that we get to do conferences and events and stuff. Uh, and again, that's fairly consistent. We know that we'll do the trade shows and the UKPP. Um, yeah, it's it's just nice. It's fun. It's the least traumatic thing ever, which is everything I've ever wanted. Like, the clients are nice. It's also nice to know I work with somebody that really has my back. Mm-hmm. You know, if you've got... Obviously, this is hard for people to work on their own, but if you have somebody that's kind of giving you grief as a client or as just a random off the street, it's nice to know that I can like do the little intercom and be like, I need your help, and that someone will come out and help. Mm-hmm. That's true of everyone that works there. Like, we've all got a really good relationship with each other. Tattooists included, which again, I appreciate is unusual for piercers to work with tattooists that they get on with. <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> How does that work? <laughs> nice. Yeah, it's a little dream team. I like it. Oh, that's good. I'm really happy about that. Going back to conference, how was it doing your roundtable? Yeah, it was good. It, it was not as well attended as I'd like, but also I appreciate that it's not like a, a hot topic, like I'm talking about mm-hmm. paying people fairly. Um, <laughs> it wasn't as exciting as I think I clashed this, this year with like a techniques class with Ryan. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the year before I clashed with the Paul King history class so I totally understand why my was <laughs> yeah. it was good like I've had some positive responses um I've had people speak to me about it afterwards and ask for help and advice which is nice and I'm always happy for people to do that um it's also true of like the neurodiversity stuff that I speak about mm-hmm. uh, which at the, when I speak at the trade shows it's slightly different because there's just one class going on so everyone has to listen to me <laughs> I like that. Uh, but yeah, no, it's good. But I don't think I've had anyone say anything negative to my face. <laughs> I, I haven't heard anything negative either. I think a lot of people's eyes opened about it because, of course, like with the UK PP conference, there's a lot of people who travel from the outside of the UK. So I think they kind of like 
listen in and they learn like how different it is in every place because like typically if you're part of like the body modification learning group or piss at babes when you talk about apprentices or trainees or whatever they're like oh you have to pay them this wage with you know dentist cover and health cover and all that and then as us in the UK are like what (laughs) like we don't have that that's like a whole completely different thing so I think it kind of opened their eyes up as well as like apprenticeships and that are not regulated it's not authority regulated we don't have anything apart from like a pension if we want to pay into it or national insurance or tax but that's it we don't have dental cover or health cover or anything like that yeah so I think it definitely opened a lot of people's eyes and of course I was just there to be your cheerleader because like I'm not going to take on an apprentice, I don't think. And I I'm, I would be, like, in the same kind of shoes as Paddy, like, if I wanted to take somebody on, I would just take on another piercer. Like, I don't think I can mentally do it again. That's the thing that I sort of say to people as well, is, like, you're not under no obligation to take on an apprentice. Like, if you have enough work for a second piercer, you don't have the capacity to train that second piercer. Just take someone on, they can already do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. They're, they're out there, and people you know we'll take new opportunities you might live in a really cool city that people want to like move to or work in you might live in the countryside that people who work in the city think oh it'd be really nice to not work in the city for a bit you know what I mean like mm-hmm. people travel people do different things and yeah there's no obligation to train someone obviously you might want to tweak some techniques if, if it doesn't line up with like standards or whatever but yeah do that instead yeah, I'm sorry to that. anyone that's like, oh, I want to be a piercer, and I'm like, listen, I've part apprentices, but also don't take one on. I'm <laughs> into <laughs> <Amen to> that. <laughs> currently, no desire to take on an apprentice either. Like, it's first of all, it's not my business, so it's not my choice whether that happens or not. But I don't feel like I have the skill set to teach someone. I, not a day goes by where I don't ask someone a question, whether that's Paddy, whether that's in piercing forums. Mm-hmm. So I don't feel like until I have a consistent run of not history people it's not time stop yeah that's that's exactly the same mentality I have at the moment because like of course Lauren great and everything she's doing well but at the time when I was teaching her there was a lot of things I didn't really know because I had past apprenticeships and pay paying paying them apprenticeships that weren't exactly like up to the full whack of what piercing is so me teaching her I had to learn how to pierce left-handed I had to learn how to pierce with cannulas I had to learn to pierce with internally threaded threadless you know switching from steel to titanium from externally threaded to internally threaded you know and I was teaching Lauren at the same time and now I look back I'm like oh just just take on another piercer why did I have to do an apprentice but even that was out of my hands like I was um on a 50 50 split in the studio and Lauren was like my friend at the time and she used to come in and hang out and stuff like that and the manager Kev was just like hey Lauren you're here all the time why don't you be Dee's apprentice and I had no say in it whatsoever so then Lauren just became my apprentice and I was like well okay cool all right let's do this then and yeah I like I don't regret it but at the same time it's like I wish I could have done more better for her yeah you can see the, the problems with it and that's fine like but I still get like the constant emails like, hey, are you looking for an apprentice? And I'm like, no, sorry, copy and paste. Here's the APP website about <laughs> apprenticeships and stuff like that. And I'm just like, read that. And then I link your Facebook group. But it's like, 
I have to tell them like that group is not looking for an apprenticeship. It's just to give you advice. Yeah, I want people to just have that like baseline information. And the the sad, I don't know if it's sad or I don't know how best to phrase this, but like it might not happen for everyone. Like it's competitive, and mm-hmm. unfortunately, as grown ups, you have to learn that you don't always get what you want. Mm-hmm. Like not everybody gets to do their dream job. Oh yeah, you know. You don't, not everyone gets to be prima ballerina. Not everybody gets to be a professional footballer as much as they love to do those things. And it's not the fault of the people who already do it. Like people talk a lot about, well, there's no opportunities or like a lot of good faces won't take on an apprentice. And I am grateful that they won't because it's an indication that they have the self-awareness that they either don't have the money to do that or they don't have mm-hmm. the resources to do that or they don't have the time. And that's good that they're saying no rather than just churning out people who were sort of good at it but sort of not and this is where courses came into it in a big way isn't it because they spotted what they thought was a gap Mm -hmm. and what they've done is create a sense of entitlement they've not created pierces they've created people who think they deserve something oh god yeah and there's also the other fact of you know certain studios that we know in the uk who will take on multiple apprentices but give them like they, they would take somebody like one or two people on and then like three to six months later that apprentice is gone and then a few weeks later they take on another one and it's like well why are these apprentices leaving in the first place is it the way that you're doing it is it the way that you're paying them like what's the issue here and sometimes usually it's the case that the person realizes that piercing isn't for them like simple as or they just don't have the nicest relations with the people that they work within that place a question that I tell people to ask in an interview, regardless of whether it's for Pearson or anything else, is how many people have held this position before me in the past five years? Now, they might not be willing to share that information, mm-hmm. but with something like Pearson or tattooing, it's going to be really easy to find that out. Mm-hmm. Just need to type it in social media and it's there in your face. Yeah. It is a red flag if a lot of people have held that position before you. Because mm-hmm. why have they left? what what happened if it was a Pearson apprentice for example and they just got really good and moved on you should be able there should be some sort of trail that you can follow their career and go oh, well that's fine yeah but if it is that a shop just takes on apprentices and just takes on apprentices and just takes on apprentices mm-hmm. there's there's, a, there's an issue there and either they're not being paid or they're being paid at the apprentice rate mm-hmm. cheaper uh, which is also illegal just so everyone's aware yeah, not, yeah. Not actually apprentices um they're training members of staff they should be paid at least minimum wage mm-hmm. um, I, I will if anybody tries to like go at me for this episode because of what we are saying please look up the uk law thank you we're not apprentices we do not have technical apprentices because the government aren't involved no. um, yeah, training members of staff they should be paid at least minimum wage uh to be honest if anyone's have a go at you about it, they can physically fight me it's fine <laughs> sure i'll pay enough money just to watch that <laughs> yeah. yeah i'm not scared yeah and it's always it's always going to be that argument in it like yeah you can believe whatever you want like anyone listening or watching this like they can believe whatever they want mm-hmm. but they doesn't change the law there's mm-hmm. loads of laws that i disagree with uh um, oh, yeah it doesn't change it i go generally go five miles over the speed limit all the time so look at me uh five miles an hour over the speed limit but you know what i mean like i can think a road should be 40 miles an hour but if it's 30 and i'm doing 40 i'm still gonna get a ticket yeah you're breaking the law i can't just stand there and argue with the police officer like well i believe that it should be 40 okay but it's but it's not 
it's like even like some people like I've, I've seen it in the comments and stuff like that they bring up like the whole like common law and all this shit and I'm like look common law doesn't it's not about anymore that was broken down many years ago and it's not classified as common law anymore so even if you use that excuse for you to take on what we would so call an apprentice and just not pay them because it's like voluntary or pay them like the apprentice like three pounds something four pounds something it's illegal there's no government officiated documented qualification within the piercing industry at all there is nothing i've also heard every attempt at a loophole that anyone thinks they can think of um there isn't one nope there ain't one. Uh, a couple of pieces in the US have taken former employers to court and won mm-hmm. and the back pay. And I don't think it'll be long before someone is made an example of here. Because there's very few things we don't follow. Well, you never know. There could be somebody doing it right now. But the thing is, with the court system at the moment in the UK, it's a six to eight month wait. Yeah. So yeah. you probably won't hear anything until like early next year. It's just It seems like a common thing, definitely within the industry. And it's it's, it's slowly getting out there and it has been spoken freely a bit more. It's like even like speaking about money, speaking about business, speaking about premises, licensing, local authorities. It's all becoming like a common thing to talk about. But when it comes to apprentices or traineeships or anything like that, it's kind of like a, oh, no, 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 no. You can't talk about that. Like, psh, go away. Everything is everything we've done over the past 10 years maybe has been about moving forward it's weird that we're happy to move forward as experienced pieces but if someone new is coming into it we're like not them I didn't mean them <laughs> like why why would you not yeah. they should be if they start with a good foundation then these problems go away mm-hmm. exactly like, it does... I think it's it's nice to see that there are people and individuals who are speaking up about it and who are explaining like oh this is um my employee and they're getting a living wage of like 11 12 13 pounds an hour and it's like amen that's how it should be and then there's like one person who goes up and like oh well my apprentice is like a volunteer they do they have a second job or a third job to be able to do this and i'm like oh yeah but that shouldn't be the case you should be playing that person you're also really skating the lines of discrimination mm-hmm. uh like real real sailing close to the wind with that one uh as someone who is autistic i couldn't work two jobs um so to be told that i couldn't be a piercer because i couldn't do that second job is discrimination Mm -hmm. and that's that's a big word to throw around uh and has a big real world repercussions Mm -hmm. it's and also right (laughs) again hot take the arrogance the arrogance of someone who thinks that their knowledge is worth someone doing that to themselves who do you think you are anyone anyone who's listening who thinks that their time is worth someone having to work two or three jobs just for the honor of being around them needs to have a proper word with themselves oh god yeah i'm into that nobody's that good nobody's the worst thing is right is that it isn't the case that these individuals are like been doing it for like 20 30 40 years there's also individuals who have been doing it for like less than two years who are like oh yeah i'm gonna take on an apprentice and they can do it for free and it's just like "Uh, mate you're been in the industry for like a year two years right you should not one you should not be taking anybody on if you need to take somebody on hire another bloody person with more experience two they should not be giving up their free time for your labor simple as yeah people confuse free time with available time as well mm-hmm. 
it's not working doesn't mean that they're available and also people need to assess what they want from a second member of staff because it's not always another theater you might want a cleaner you mm-hmm. could want a house you could want a jewelry manager you know there's loads you could want somebody to help you with your social media like all of those things are jobs in themselves and someone deserves to be paid for that yeah um, exactly it's like when I see studios who are like advertising a job and they're like receptionist, but also trainee peers. So I'm like, but are you hiring them as two separate things? And are you paying them for two separate jobs? No, usually they are saying that the piercing training is voluntarily because you're getting paid for being a reception. But I'm like, a reception's a separate job. Like and it's skill set in itself. Some people can do both, but some people can't. And a receptionist is a really valuable member of staff. Mm-hmm. yeah they do like all the admin work and all of that and that should be a whole separate job at the end of the day it shouldn't be two jobs put in one yeah a lot of pieces do that themselves and like, like yourself you work on your own and like so you do all for yourself but mm-hmm. you're only managing you and yep. that's fine you can make that decision for you mm-hmm. but you have if you're employing someone that comes with a, a level of an agreement with them what's expected of them what's expected of the role and what also they're capable of mm-hmm. it's yeah employment law is very strict in this country as well like we we love a law like everything's quite black and white oh god yeah yeah we're nuts for it and again it's this skirting under the radar and assuming that we can do whatever we want because we have no and I think it all stems down to the whole, like, the industry is not regulated. There's nothing there in black and white to say what is right and what is not. But at the end of the day, it don't matter if the industry is regulated or not. If you are putting somebody out there doing your job, you should be paying them. It should not be free. It should not be voluntarily. Simple. The industry is not regulated as we want employment law is. Mm-hmm. And there's, e- there's even a law with to do with apprenticeships like you can go on the gov website it has it all on there like what an apprenticeship should be registered as and it always says you have to register underneath a college with a qualification and also have it registered through the gov website with a qualification we technically can't even use that word no apprenticeship they they, would potentially come with fines for just using that word yeah it should be training trainee or employee yeah yeah junior piercer whatever you want to use that's fine yeah you can't say apprentice no well i'm gonna leave it on one last question and then i will be finishing this interview because it has been going on for a little bit that's all right what is your current favorite book right now because i know you're a bookworm come on i know you've got oh, one I can, I can literally get it okay go on, on. The title's racist, but the book's about racism, right? No one panic. Oh, okay, yeah. Okay, no one panic. Um, it's incredible. Five stars. This is my uh, special edition. Mm. But I recommend everything that Rebecca Kwang's ever written. Uh, but this is about racism in the publishing industry. Basically, a Chinese author writes a novel and then dies and her white friend steals it. And <gasps> it. Typical. Yeah. It's Explaining. very good. Yes. It's the last book I gave five stars to, but anything Rebecca Crown's written ever is my favourite. Brilliant. I knew you would have something. I think I went straight to it as well. Like, I thought it would be this shelf. This is my uh, favourite shelf, but it's above it. Nice. Well, I just want to say thank you very much for giving up your time to come on to 
this wee interview in my podcast. I really do appreciate it. I like talking. It's my favourite thing. So thanks for having me. <laughs> he doesn't probably be around to at some point. <laughs> yeah, we need to talk about neuro- neurodiversity next time. Yes, definitely. I um, It was on my list, but apprenticeships are more important. Yeah. <laughs> As important. <laughs> well, thank you very much. Are you a client or somebody who follows me on social media and you want to submit your story? Well, you're in luck. You are welcome to submit it via email, which is Deanna, D-E-A-N-N-A, at procollective.net. This could be an experience you had or just some questions that you want advice on. It could also be a history lesson of when you had the piercing done, who, by, and where. It could be 10, 20, 30 years ago. If you are a piercer and you want to come on my podcast, you are more than welcome to contact me. I'd be happy to do an interview with you or just to talk about life. If you want to contact me, you can do so by social media on Instagram, which is Collective underscore, or via email, which is deanna at pearlcollective.net. Thanks again for listening to Tea with Dee.